welcome to Citizen Science, stories of science we can do together. Brought to you by SciStarter. In this special podcast mini-sode, we'll learn about Benjamin Franklin's contributions to citizen science, long before the term citizen science even existed. Benjamin Franklin had many achievements in many spheres, but perhaps his most enduring popular image is that of him flying a kite in a storm to see if lightning was composed of electricity. In this special mid-month podcast minisode, we'll get the facts behind Ben Franklin's scientific excursions from Benjamin Franklin expert Michael Medea. He's head of education at the American Philosophical Society in Philadelphia, a society founded by Franklin himself. Hey, Michael, thanks for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Excited to be here. So a, a big part of Benjamin Franklin's, you know, sort of public identity is, that, is as a scientist and as an inventor. Um, maybe you could tell us what it meant to be a citizen scientist back in those days. Yeah, it, it's such a fun question and a difficult one because there are multiple aspects going on to it, right? Uh, if you look at the words themselves, citizen and scientist, um, citizen for Franklin most of the time meant being part of the British colonies and being a British citizen instead of an American citizen. Um, mm -hmm. And then scientist wasn't really a word when Franklin was alive. So uh, more like natural oh. philosophy, natural philosopher would have been more things that uh, described him. Really? When did the word scientist come into, into use? It's always the danger of saying that out loud is then I have to try to remember <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> I would say it's more of like a 19th century kind of term. Um, huh. I'll couch it in a whole century to be safe. Um, but yeah, much later on. So for Franklin being a citizen scientist and kind of using the modern perspective on that really meant being a participant and being an active participant in all things scientific in some way, but using that ultimately as a goal to improve the lives of those around you or to improve the civic conditions around you. Uh, take, for example, the, the charting of the Gulf Stream, right? Um, he was involved in this with his cousin Timothy Folger, but they also relied on other people's knowledge, like the, the whalers, sailors, tradesmen that knew this was a thing before Franklin and his cousin documented it. But they relied on a big body of knowledge that was pre-existing um, everyday people. Uh, and they took up their kind of own expertise and then published that in the scientific realm to make sure that others had access to that information. Um, the good thing about Franklin is you always have an example to rely on. So I think that's a good example of how he really does embody citizen science in so many ways. Wow. It's sort of brought together sort of practicality and curiosity, it seems. Yes. Uh, I, I love that balance point with Franklin of everything is hyper-practical. Everything relies on his curiosity, um, but then everything also ends up being a little curious or kind of odd in some ways uh, because we're looking at it with a modern lens. Um, like even his experiments with electricity, he's known to have killed or cooked a turkey um, as part of his experiments. It was apparently very delicious, though, but still well in that kind of quirky Wow, he was way ahead of his time. Yeah, right? <laughs> Air fryers, practically, yeah. <laughs> now, what you said something about the Gulf Stream. What mm -hmm. was that work that he did, and, and why did he do that? Yeah, so the, the Gulf Stream was a well kind of uh, documented or known entity around Franklin's time. Um, sailors knew that if you went a little bit north or a little bit south when you were going, to the colonies or to America that you would either uh, pick up time or lose time and vice versa going the other direction. 
but there was no official map that really documented this. Um, hmm. Whalers knew that the whales would stay on either side of this kind of body of moving water underneath them. Um, some scientists or others documented how warm certain parts of the water felt compared to others. Uh, so Franklin, being very curious, having sailed across the Atlantic multiple times in his life, uh, and having many connections family-wise to uh, sailors and kind of um, oceanic life uh, in the colonies, decided uh, it's probably time for somebody to formally document and map this <laughs> in some way. Um, so along with his cousin, Timothy Folger, they uh, studied this stream, essentially, um, in so many different ways of uh, dipping buckets into the water to gather temperatures within certain ranges. Um, any voyage that was taken across the Atlantic for Franklin meant studying this thing. Uh, and then they officially published it, which is the big difference. Like, it's finally out there in the world on a map in full in a scientific journal, publishable for uh, multiple people to see, read, witness, um, understand. And uh, for Franklin, that meant the practicality of sending letters faster, getting um, pieces of imports and exports faster or slower, knowing how things can just function. It's hyper-practical to know uh, in the 1700s how the Gulf Stream functions and where it's functioning. He was such a person of action. He's so motivated. It's like so many people talk about stuff. Hey, you know, there's this this current in the ocean and it's kind of interesting and somebody should go look into that. It seems like over and over again, he, he was the somebody that looked into things. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love the lightning rod as an example. Like, hey, this is a big problem. Buildings keep uh, burning and getting shattered and breaking. Uh, I wonder if we can just fix this in any way. Um, and Franklin goes from learning the knowledge of how electricity and lightning are related in full um, to figuring out practical solutions with it. So there's always that extra little step that he takes, making us all feel lazy, you know? Yeah, it's almost like, um, you don't, for the Gulf Stream, for instance, you don't have to be brilliant to do that work. It's not like he had a special insight no one else had. Yeah. He was just the first person that said, you know, somebody should do this. Why not me? I'm doing it and just did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love with Franklin, too, there's always this magical uh, bird's eye view uh, perspective that he brings into things. Uh, and that, I think, is a great case where he knows that the, the people on the ships are talking about this, that his cousins in New England are talking about this, that people, and being the postmaster, <laughs> he knows that the mm -hmm. like, mail carriers are talking about this. And he's like, wait, all three of these parties are talking about this. Maybe we can do something together about it and figure uh -huh. this out. Uh -huh. And now electricity. There's a lot of um, sort of folk tales and things about so his uh, relationship and what he discovered about electricity. Can, see, can you sort of set us straight about what he actually did? Yes, yes. Um, so a going tagline for us at the APS is that he did not discover electricity. <laughs> um, <laughs> discovery is a tricky bird anyway. But uh, people knew electricity, these electrical functions existed for a while. Uh, and in that true Franklinian way, he was the first one to document it and kind of publish it and make certain connections. Um, his experiment with the Kite and Key happened because others had the thoughts already that electricity might, or lightning might be a form of electricity in some way. Um, so he picked up on the idea and then did the Kite and Key experiment. Um, the, the fascinating thing about that in and of itself is that, <laughs> is that it's poorly documented. Um, we kind of know who was with him. We kind of know maybe where it was. We kind of know when it was. But all those details are not rock solid in any way, shape, or form. But it's the, it's the big thing that people love latching on to. Um, yeah, there were no phone cams. There were no people around. No, it's terrible, you know. <laughs> <laughs> where were they? <laughs> there are so many different small plaques that say, it took place here. And I'm like, mm, probably not. But it's Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. 
And then, so what did he, so he, he, he did fly the kite though. Hmm. Yes. He yes. <laughs> we do definitely believe that that definitely happened. He um, didn't get electrocuted. Correct. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of the famous image or portrait of him holding up his knuckle to the, not the key, well, around the key itself, but he also documented the fact that the, uh, the hemp string that he used for the experiment was beginning to fray and kind of like, you know, rubbing your, uh, rubbing a balloon on your head, those kinds of slight strings popping off mm -hmm. like your like, like electric. The other pieces of Franklin electricity are these uh, practical yet theoretical aspects of it, where he's the first one to use positive and negative uh, in terms of electricity. He got them, wow. he had them opposite or like kind of reverse, but he was the first one to, to use them in that way. Wow. Um, and then other really practical things, as soon as he documents all this, he jumps into the, the lightning rod, whether or not electricity can help cure rheumatism, whether or not it can be used to cook turkeys, um, all these practical aspects. Huh. Wow. So what else? We have the Gulf Stream. We have electricity. Oh, uh, what other sorts of science <laughs> things did he do? Um, <laughs> I would say a, a good deal more, right? Um, particularly with like the Franklin stove, or if you're familiar with his technologies on that, uh, figuring out how to get less smoke into a room, but also more heat at the same time, mm -hmm. and the conduction systems that are needed for that. Uh, also involved in meteorological and weather-based observations. Uh, there's this beautiful letter that he writes to um, somebody in New England, uh, mm -hmm. might have been his one of his siblings, uh, about, hey, we were supposed to get the storm to see the, or we were supposed to be able to see the eclipse and the storm rolled through, and the other person said, oh, we got the storm around like this different time. That's so weird. And he's connecting all of these things in so mm -hmm. many different ways, trying to understand how storms move throughout the, the colonies. Um, that whole idea, it was the same yeah. storm, you know, the idea that yeah. you don't just have weather here and weather there, but weather no. moves from one spot to another. <laughs> yes, yes, fully documenting that. Even um, Blaze in London, he's, he's writing down, uh, so it was a really snowy winter. I wonder then if the, the snow coverage means that it will be a foggier spring, which means it might be a kind of more humid summer, which means it might be a different type of fall and going full um, into these other kind of patterns and lockstep kind of mechanisms of weather. Oh, that's and right, but that. he, had the, he had the almanac. Um, so that was sort <laughs> of like, I don't know if it was like phenology or, you know, sort of predictions of when things are going mm -hmm. to happen. Yeah, yeah. And luckily, those ones aren't like, um, who was it, Nostradamus' <laughs> kind of catastrophic <laughs> predictions. Uh, Franklin stuck to things that mostly other mathematicians or people could document. So when an eclipse might happen, mm -hmm. when um, other kind of meteorological or, I guess, phenomena would be happening mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that mathematically you could figure out based on other patterns. Uh huh. Great. Well, anything else that people should know about Ben Franklin, the scientist who wasn't called a scientist because we didn't have the word scientist <laughs> back then? Uh, my favorite thing uh, on that note is that Franklin rarely, 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 if ever, did anything on his own. Um, it's really hard to say, like, Franklin is the, the singular genius just operating in a vacuum somewhere else. Um, Franklin's scientific work involved others like his, like his cousin again, uh, like those who co-founded the APS with him, those who co-founded the library company with him. Um, even his sister, Jane Franklin Meekham, was involved in these scientific works. Um, the power dynamics are different, but the enslaved people in his home were also involved in these experiments. His wife, Deborah, was involved in the experiments. Um, basically, if you were around Franklin, odds are you would be brought into this scientific world and these scientific experiments, uh, which is so great to think about citizen science with Franklin in that way, where it's just this kind of beautiful emanation of science. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Well, thanks so much. That's uh, that's fascinating. Thanks for thanks for being with us. Yeah, happy to. Always uh, excited to talk about Franklin and any other connections that he might bring up. All right. Thanks so much. Well, that's all for this special Citizen Science Month podcast mini-sode. We hope you'll share it with your science and nature-loving friends. Happy Citizen Science Month. I'm Bob Hershon. Thanks for listening. podcast is brought to you each month by SciStarter, where you'll find thousands and thousands of citizen science projects, events, and tools. It's all at SciStarter.org. That's S-C-I-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.org. That's O-R-G. SciStarter's founder is Darlene Cavalier. And thanks so much to you, the listener and the citizen scientist, for getting involved and making a difference. If you have any ideas that you want to share with us and any things you want to hear on this very podcast, get in touch with us at info at SciStarter.org. Once again, our email address is info at SciStarter.org. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.